starting a new series today um, titled Not Alone, like many of you know about. We are going to be um, talking about, for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about depression and anxiety. Um, if you have a Bible, just start flipping your Bible open to Mark 6, is what we're going to start. Mark 6, verse 30 through 44 is what we're going to read. So start flipping there right now. There's a number of reasons why I wanted to talk about anxiety and depression um, and why I felt like God was putting it on my heart to do so. And it's interesting, uh, Randy actually did the same thing. Um, he started a series today on anxiety and depression, and uh, we both didn't realize we were doing it until a week ago. Um, so we just feel like this is what God's calling us to speak on. There's a number of reasons why. I mean, just looking at the statistics... It says this, anxiety disorders are the most common mental health disorders of childhood and adolescence. And actually, it's doubled in the past 20 years. So in the past 20 years, high school students have it has doubled the amount of people that have, ha- that have anxiety and have depression. And then it says, teen suicide is the number one leading cause of death in youth between the ages of 15 and 24 in the United States. It's the number one leading cause of death between everyone in here is teen suicide. It's not cancer. It's not an accident. It's suicide. It's taking our own lives into our own hands. Depression, suicide, and anxiety are more prevalent than ever among young people today. So we're going to spend the next five to six weeks, like I said, talking about depression and talking about anxiety. And we're going to be specifically looking at what God has to say about these things. Because actually Jesus does have a lot to say about depression and the anxiety that we face. And when you look and read throughout scripture and you read uh, about the different people in the Bible, you'll see that many times they had depression or they had anxiety. And so we're going to look into that a little bit. The title of this series, like I said, is Not Alone, because we must all realize in here um, that we are not alone, like Kayla said, that we are not alone in this battle. And yeah, it's, I said battle because it is a battle. This is, this is a fight. Depression and anxiety, it's a fight. And, and you have to realize that you're not alone in it. So I, I firmly believe that there's people in here right now that are thinking about doing something and and taking their own lives into their own hands and harming themselves in any way. And I believe that God just wants to tell you right now that you're not alone. You feel like you're alone. You feel like you're isolated, but you're not. Statistics show that. I know that. And you'll find as we go through this series, as we start peeling back layers and layers and try to find healing in these things, um, that many more people in here are dealing with this. There's a mega church in Chino, Hill, Chino Hills, California, which is Southern California. The church is called Inland Hills, and it's a mega church. Thousands of people attend this church. It's bigger than Beaverton, as big as this place is. It's much bigger than that. Um, what's interesting about this place, though, this church in Southern California, is that the lead pastor is 30 years old. He's 30 years old, and um, he, everyone loves him. He's, he's a charismatic, engaging speaker. Um, he, he, he's just one of those genuine guys that when you, he's up on the stage, you're just locked in and thousands of people were coming to know Jesus through this guy. And this is a family. If we have a picture of his family, this is him, his wife and his, uh, three sons and everything seems to be going right in this guy's life, right? Lead pastor, 30 years old of one of the biggest churches in America, amazing family, amazing wife. 
right? Thousands of people are coming to know Jesus through his ministry. Yet last Friday, a week ago, this guy, this man right here was um, found, his, he was found dead because he took his life into his own hands. And because he, he was battling depression and he was battling anxiety. And I show this not to scare you guys in any way. Rather, my, my heart behind this is showing you this, is that you're not alone. I, you know, the person on the stage, you, we're, we're dealing with the same stuff. We're on the same level, right? You're not alone in this. Does anyone know who this guy is? Can you put up the next picture? Is Mari? Anyone know who that is? Who is that? The Rock. You're right, Gabe. The Rock. The Rock. All right, The Rock is an actor, a producer, a professional wrestler, and he opened up, he opened up about his depression and his anxiety. And he said this, this was his quote. He said this, "I found that with depression, one of the most important things you could realize is that you are not alone." This is coming from this guy right here. "You're not the first to go through it," he says. "I wish I had someone at that time who could just pull me aside and say, "Hey, it's going to be okay. Anyone who this guy is? Throw the next picture. Any idea? Kevin Love. Kevin Love grew up in Lake Oswego, just down the way. He now plays in the NBA. He's a five-time NBA All-Star. He just signed a contract, five-year contract worth $110 million. The dude's got, his life is just right before him, right? He's playing in the NBA right now, and he just came out about anxiety and his, his panic attacks to the point where he's, been having, he's had to be taken out of games um, because of his anxiety that he has. Other people, Miley Cyrus, Kendall Jenner, Beyonce, people I have no idea, they just, they're, they're starting to come out about their depression and their anxiety. And so this is why we're going through this series. We're going through this series on depression and anxiety because it's an epidemic today. I believe it's something that we try not to talk about, but that's why we lose the battle sometimes. That's why that 30-year-old pastor, we, he, we're losing the battle because we think that we are alone in this. And this ministry, and one reason why I had the high school girls at camp talk about tough topics, sex, sexuality, relationships, marriage, because I believe that Jesus wants us to address these issues head on, because I believe that that's right when we'll find Jesus show up, and that's when we'll find healing take place in our own life. So if you're dealing with anxiety or if you're dealing with depression, I hope that you know that this place welcomes you. This is a place that welcomes you. And you'll actually find, like I just said, as we go through this series and progress through it, uh, many more people are dealing with this. There, there's tons of people that are dealing with it. And actually, you'll, I'll start expressing and telling my story of this stuff. And one thing that's honestly hitting me at this moment right now is some, one of my family members is going through this stuff. And walking through this. So this is a sensitive, very tough topic for me as well. So I'm just right with you. I'm right there with you in all of this. Um, but what am I doing right now to find healing in this? I'm looking to Jesus. I'm looking to the Word of God. And I'm trying to see what God has to say, where God shows up in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this anxiety, this anxious generation that we're in. We need to figure out where God shows up in it. And so that's what we're going to do through this series. And you might be in here and just thinking, that, well, I don't have anxiety and I don't have depression right now. So why do I even need to be here for six weeks? That may be some of you in here. And I think that many people think that's a lot of people in here, but I, I might disagree. 
But you might be in here thinking, I don't have anxiety and I don't have depression, so why do I need to be here? And I have two things for that. One, just because you're not dealing with it right now does not mean you won't deal with it in the future. You, you will probably go through something like this before, in, in the future in your life. And the second thing, though, is that we are called to raise up, to pray for, and to walk through these things with others. We're called to raise up, to pray for, and to walk through these things with others. So if you're not going through it right now, the person to your right might be. And honestly, that's your, your, Jesus calls you to minister to that person, to love for that person, to pray every night for that person. So we don't lose this battle because we're not alone in it. And that's honestly why we have community here. We have community not just to gather and listen to someone speak up here and talk and then go home. We have community, right, we, to feed those who are hungry, to clothe those who don't have clothes, to pray for those who are sick, to cry with those who are suffering. That's why we're here. And that's what this ministry is about. And I hope you felt that because we're a family here. And so we need to walk through this together. So the next six weeks are going to be about us walking through this together, no matter what side you're on. You're on the side of, I don't have anxiety or depression, Hayden, so I don't need to be here. Or, or, or you do have anxiety or depression, and Jesus is going to be speaking to you through it. No matter what you are, we're all in this conversation right now. We're all in it together. So, like I said, all statistics show that this is the most anxious generation in the history of the world. Think about that for a sec. Everyone in here, including myself, we are considered the most anxious people in the history of humanity. Anyone that's ever lived on this earth, we are the most anxious people. So my thinking is, why is that? Why are we the most anxious people? Why? why? It doesn't make any sense. We seem to have all that we ever want, right? But, so why are we the most anxious? And so we're going to spend three weeks... So, including today, talking about anxiety, and then we're going to move into three weeks of talking about depression. So, write this question down. This is what we're going to ask ourselves today. Write it down. What is the root of anxiety? What's the root of anxiety? What is causing anxiety to happen? Today, we're going to look into one of the root causes that I've found of anxiety in Scripture. All right, so Mark 6. Everyone there? Yep, Mark 6. It'll be on the board as well. It says this, verse 30 is where we're at. Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. So at this point, pause really quick. At this point, before in the, earlier in this chapter, Jesus sent out his disciples and his apostles and said, Hey, go preach the word. Go, go pray for those who are sick. Tell them about what is going on and what is going to happen. Right? And so the, the apostles came back and told Jesus, what they did and what happened. And then it says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't, did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Who in here, when you're hungry, you, you're angry? You're an angry person. Yeah, Dalen's angry when he's hungry. Yeah, I get hangry when I'm hungry. You guys, and, and this is what the disciples, they, they weren't eating much. They weren't sleeping much. They were just telling people about Jesus and praying for them. So Jesus was like, hey, we need to get some rest. Even Jesus needed rest, right? Amen? We need rest, right? And so it goes on to say, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them 
because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves some Chick-fil-A. That's Hayden's Bible translation. Anytime you see food, you just go, Chick-fil-A. Makes sense. (laughs) Thanks, Gabe. Uh, So his disciples said, Jesus said, hey, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half years of wages. Are you to go and spend that much on bread to eat? You see, you guys, this is, there's so many, there's thousands of people there waiting with Jesus and they didn't have enough food for them. They're like, how is it, this going to take a half year's salary to feed these people? And Jesus asked them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so his disciples found out and they said, hey, we just, Jesus, we just have five loaves of bread and two fish. I said, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish from among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to open up your word. God, we just pray right now, Jesus, for peace to come on all of us, God, who have anxiety or are battling anxiety. Jesus, I pray for peace against anxiety. God, I pray for light to shine in the midst of darkness. Jesus, I just pray right now that we encounter you today and that you speak to us and we can find the truth of what you say about us today. And Jesus, I just pray that the Oregon Ducks never lose a football game this year. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. So Mark 6, what we just read, you guys, in Mark 6, Jesus miraculously feeds 5,000 people. With five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus miraculously feeds 5,000 people. And many people in here are like, well, is that possible? I don't believe in miracles like that. I'm going to say to that, well, you're a miracle that you're here. Whatever you believe, you believe in a God, you don't believe in a God, you're a miracle. So you got to believe in miracles, right? You're a miracle whether you believe in a God or you don't believe in a God. So miracles happen all the time. And what's interesting, though, about this is that this is the only miracle that has been recorded. Listen here. This is the only miracle that has been recorded in all four Gospels besides the resurrection. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all four Gospels in the Bible. This is the only recorded miracle in all of them besides, of course, the resurrection. So my mind thinks, obviously, there's some significance to this story. If all four dudes decide to write about this, and they didn't write about any other miracle the same way, this has to be significant. But I believe the point of this story was not just so that 5,000 people could be like physically fed. The point, I believe, of this story was that so the disciples could look back at what Jesus did and remember what he did so that they can now in the future not worry. 
I believe that the point of this story was for the disciples to look back and be like, well, of course Jesus can provide for me now in the situation I'm in now where I don't have friends in school. I'm in a relationship that I don't know if I'm supposed to be in. My, my parents are getting divorced right now. I'm trying to get into college, and I don't know if I'm going to get into college. I know Jesus will provide for me now because he did before. Write this down. We can look back at what he has already done and then have faith and trust in what he will do. We can look back at what Jesus already did in our lives and then because of that we can have faith and we can have trust in what he will do. So this is what it would be like. You got to imagine this here. It'd be like if I wanted to get away. I'm tired of you guys, so I want to get away. And I... (laughs) And I, I want to go on a hike. I go to Forest Park, and I go on a, like a long hike and just get away. And you guys, you have to use your imagination because this probably won't happen. Uh, but you guys are like, dang, I miss Hayden a lot, and I just want to be with him. Like, I want to hang out with him. And so you decide, all of you guys, all 200 of you, of you decide to go and find me where I'm at. And you hike a couple hours to get in to find me, and then we hang out for a while. And all of a sudden, it starts to get kind of dark. And it's like the sun is starting to set. You're starting to get hungry. And you're like, all right, Hayden, we got to get out of here. I'm getting hungry. I'm getting tired. So I'm going to go home to eat. And I'm like, well, hold on. That's okay. And I just, I pull out one Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I'm like, hey, like, I got you. Don't worry. Like, you'll be fed. You're fine. Like, I'll feed you guys all. And you're like, like, what are you talking about? There's one sandwich, right? It doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, hey. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. I got you. And you're like, Hayden, you're, you're cray-cray. You're cray-cray. And then all of a sudden, I start just handing out this sandwich. And all of a sudden, it starts multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying to the point where everyone in here gets fed as much as you need and want. And then there's stuff left over. It's a miracle. And that's what just happened. And that's what Jesus did with these 5,000 people. But I really believe that this point of this miracle was not just so that 5,000 people could be fed, but it was for the disciples. It was for the disciples so they could have something to look back at and be like, I know Jesus will provide for me now because he did it when I was in the wilderness with 5,000 other people before and I didn't think it would happen. The miracle was for the disciples So they can have faith and trust in Jesus and not worry. Say worry. And not worry or be anxious no matter what it is that they are facing. Write this down. God was faithful then, so he will be faithful now. God was faithful then with 5,000 people, no food, and they wanted to go home because they didn't trust in Jesus. But... Jesus provided for them. He was faithful then. So in what circumstance are you in right now that you're anxious about? God is telling you, I'll be faithful now because I was faithful then. So do you have times like this in your own life? Do you have times when God was just so faithful when you thought there was no hope? Like when your family member or you have a sickness right now or you had one in the before, an illness, and you didn't think there was hope in that, and yet Jesus brought you through that. Or your parents got a divorce and you didn't think, how do I live in a split family household? I don't think I can live like that. And yet you're sitting here today and Jesus brought you through that time. 
or a time when you changed schools and you didn't have friends in that school, you started to get anxiety because you just transferred or you just came into freshman year, whatever it is, and you have anxiety because you don't have any friends, and yet Jesus provided friends, and he brought you through that time. Do you look back at that time and, and say, well, he provided for me then, so why do I need to be anxious now? Right? Two simple questions I want you guys to think about. Do you trust that God will provide? Do you actually trust that God will provide? You can say yes. We all say yes to that answer. But do you really trust him? Do you trust that Jesus has you completely in his hands so that you don't need to worry about a single thing? You see, the root of anxiety, you guys, is a lack of trust. That's one of the root anxieties are the root causes of anxiety in Scripture. The root and cause of anxiety in your life is a lack of trust in Jesus. It's a lack of trust that you actually believe that God is a good, good Father. Because if you actually believed, and if we, I'm speaking to myself too, don't get me wrong, if I actually believed with everything in me that God was a good, good Father, then I wouldn't worry about a thing. I would not need to be, I wouldn't need to be anxious about anything. Because I know He has me in His hands. And it's interesting, the circumstances of your life don't really have an impact on the anxiety level. The circumstances that you're in, good or bad, they don't really have an impact on your anxiety level, where you're at with your anxiety. I'll show this to you. A 72-year-old, he's a multimillionaire. He retired now. Uh, He was the vice chairman of the Bank of Commerce, which basically means uh, he managed over 50 billion with a B, say billion, billion, billion dollars worth of money. And he is a multimillionaire. So he retired, and he said this when he retired. This is the first thing he said when he was interviewed. He said, I still feel to some extent that I don't have enough money. He says, emotionally. He says, I don't come from money. I got very lucky on Wall Street. I wish I got lucky and got multi-million dollars, right? Um, But he says, I've been dealing with a myriad of psychological issues since I retired. He says, "I I have more money than I had ever imagined, but I still worry. Do I have enough? So this guy's circumstance is that he has money, multi, like millions of dollars, and he's retired, 72 years old. He's fine, right? Yet that circumstance doesn't dictate his anxiety level. Does that make sense? Write this down. Peace is not about circumstances. It is about trust. Peace is not about your circumstances. It is about your trust. It's not about how much you have in the bank. It's about how much trust you have in God that he'll provide. If you want your anxiety level to go down, you better increase your trust in God and what he says about you. Peace is about how much trust you have in God that he will provide. So my question is for you right now, everyone in here, look up at me. I want to see everyone's eyes. Look up, look up, look up, look up, look up. Do you have peace? Do you live with 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 peace? Because it's all about your trust. It's all about your trust. If you want to live an anxiety-free life where there's peace, we need to increase our trust in God. That's what we need to do. We need to increase our trust that what God says in His Word is true. I'm going to go and invite the worship band up now as we begin to close. Um... I went to Ben the other week. Who in here loves Ben? Y'all better raise your hand. I'm kicking you out of this place right now. 
Well, get out of here if no one likes Ben. Um, I went to Ben the other weekend. I went to Ben right after high school camp. I went to Ben because I was basically demolished by a bunch of high school seniors um, with silly strings. So I was like, I need to get out of here. And so I got away to Ben um, for a vacation. And I stayed at my parents' place. They live in like a condo right along the golf course in, at Eagle Crest, if anyone knows where that's at. Um, it's kind of like a resort-type community. They're old. They're old farts. So um, they just I was right along the golf course. And basically, all that those days consisted of was golf, pool, reading, listening to music, playing games with my family. That's about it. And everything about that time was, it was not stressful at all. Except for, I guess, my golf game. That's pretty stressful. But besides that, like, everything else, like... It was anxiety-free, and everyone around me looked like they were in peace. But then I remember I went to the pool with my dad, and we were sitting by the pool, and um, I was listening to a podcast, and all of a sudden I start, like, getting anxiety. I, I feel like I'm getting kind of stressed. I kind of get tense, and I'm, I, it doesn't make any sense. My scenery didn't – there's no reason for me to be tense. But it was because I was thinking. My mind was like, well, what am I going to preach on Sunday? Oh, what are the meetings I need to have when I come back? I need to prepare for that. Oh, those people that are suffering, that are struggling right now, I need to make sure I'm, I'm reaching out to them. You see, I started getting anxiety in a place where there should be no anxiety. And that's when I realized that anxiety is no respecter of scenery. It's no respecter of scenery. Write this down. We don't need a change of scenery to fight our anxiety. We need a change in our perspective. We need a change in our perspective. We need a change in our trust. We don't need a change in a vacation. We need a change in our trust in Jesus. For example, you can buy a mattress, but you can't buy sleep. Right? You can buy these things. You can have these things, but that doesn't mean you will live in peace. How will you live in peace? We need to trust what Jesus says about us. We need to trust his word, right? You see, if we actually believe and trust what God promises us through his word is true, then there should be nothing that we get anxious about. If we actually, I'm speaking to myself, I'm I'm in your seat right now. If I actually believe every single word that Jesus speaks to us is true, then there really should be nothing we are anxious about. So I'm going to ask everyone, put your journals away, put your Bibles away, put your phones away. I'm going to ask everyone right now to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to go into a time response. So close your eyes, bow your heads right now. Everything put away. I I believe God wants you to encounter him right now. And what I'm going to do right now is I am just going to speak God's word. That's all I'm going to do. Everything I say is what God is saying. That's all it is. So as you sit here right now, I want everyone's eyes closed. Everyone's eyes closed. Heads bowed. Take one minute right now, and I'm going to just say what God says. Every word that is spoken is God. So picture right now in your mind, Jesus is standing right in front of you. He's sitting right beside you, and he's saying these things to you. This is what he says. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you 
with my righteous right hand. Romans 8.31. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Isaiah 41.13. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Philippians 4.19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Last one, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely, God, your goodness and surely, God, your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Keep your eyes closed, you guys. In order to fight anxiety in our life, we must trust what Jesus has said through his word is true. God is a good, good, good father. But the question is, do you trust it?